0: and i look at it and i'm like well i'm both so where do i fit and that's 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 always an interesting conversation with myself
1: welcome back to diversity on fire this is your host heather at diversity on fire we are on a mission to inspire new thought and dialogue by sharing open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. Today, I'm chatting with Trisha Williams. She is the proud owner of My Tribe Print and Promo, a female Native American-owned business. Trisha is also, among many things, a mom, wife, and proud Native American from the Wyandotte Nation. As a child, Trisha was not only physically separated from her Native American heritage, but was also told that it wasn't okay to share that information with others. Her thirst for learning and desire to unbury her identity has set her on a mission to bring awareness to the lasting effects cultural genocide have on many Native Americans, including herself. Welcome to the show, Trisha. Thanks so much, Heather. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited to have come across each other in our networking sphere and have the opportunity to chat with you and that you're you're very willing to have this open dialogue. I think it's really important. I usually start and end the show with some common questions. So the first one I'll start with: what does the term inclusion mean to you? And do you have a specific experience that you want to share where you did not feel included?
0: Um, inclusion to me, it just means everyone being treated the same. Um, and yes, I will say as a teenager when I first left New York and moved to Oklahoma, um, I did not feel included into our culture, that the Native American culture, but I also didn't know how to ask to be included.
1: Wow, okay, that's a I'm just sitting with that for a second because that's big. So we talk about inclusion and and I think that a big piece of it is, heavy on one side, right? It is important for others to include you, right? The majority needs to include you. However, there is a participation factor, and I love that yes. you brought that up.
0: Absolutely. I had no idea. I mean, I was a youngster. I was I was only I was barely 18 when I first moved to Oklahoma, and I started meeting other people from my tribe, and it was it was really I felt like an imposter. And so because I felt like an imposter, I'm looking around at all these other people who, they have darker skin, they have darker hair, they don't have blue eyes, Um, and they have the more traditional look of a Native American, whereas I've got really pale skin, I've got blue eyes, I've got light brown hair, I don't look like your traditional idea of what a Native American looks like. And so, I was very intimidated, and it was my own insecurities, I didn't know who to ask or how to ask to be included.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really, really key piece um, that might be missing from a lot of conversations. Definitely. Now, getting super personal for a minute because the introduction that I gave you, gave for you is a little bit of a highlight, right? It talks about the current Trisha and some, some key things that are happening right now with you, business owner, mom, wife. But I wanna go back a bit further and look at, Your childhood and early adult experiences that may have, you know, shaped who you are today. So, can you tell us a little bit about that, like family dynamics, cultural, religious upbringing, things like that?
0: Absolutely, and it's, uh, you know, my upbringing. Looking back, it's almost humorous to look at our cultural uh, comparison as to how our tribe was and the way that I was brought up. And so, I was raised in Central New York by my dad, my stepmom. little town called Mexico, New York. Itty-bitty, good luck finding it on a map. Um, My parents separated when I think I was about four or five. I I was five because I was in kindergarten. And when that happened, my mom actually took all four of us kids and moved to Oklahoma. Um, My father actually, when he got with my stepmother, actually kidnapped my older brother and I. It took us from Oklahoma back to New York. I think he'd sent a bus ticket for my oldest brother and sister to ride a bus back to New York. Um, unfortunately, my mother wasn't the best caretaker. She was not taking very good care of us in Oklahoma. So when we went back to New York, I think it was a few months later, the divorce was finalized, and my dad and my stepmom got married. From that point forward, uh, things were good for a while, but... Uh, It wasn't until I became a little bit older. I'm the youngest of four, so my closest sibling's eight years older than I am. Growing up in our household was not easy. My father, for my older siblings, was an extreme disciplinarian. Unfortunately, he was very abusive to my mother. Not so much my stepmother. I witnessed a fight one time where she knocked him out, so uh, that was the last time he ever laid a hand on her. Well, that's a different power (laughs) dynamic, yep. It was definitely different. Um, And I think it was about eight at that point. So growing up, you know, with a step-parent that didn't have any children of her own, it was definitely difficult. It was was the stereotypical step-parent environment. Things were great at first until everybody else started leaving home. And then I was there by myself for eight years, and everything anybody else did wrong, I paid for it. As I started getting older, and I don't even know how I found out that I was Native American, maybe my dad let it slip, but my stepmom would flat out tell me, do not tell anybody you're Native American. It is embarrassing. How dare you? We don't, we don't want to be associated with Native Americans. They're, they're, they're dirty. And mind you, all this, at the same time as my father is the organist at the church I grew up in, which is a Methodist church. My stepmother was a secretary and treasurer, um, fully, fully, deeply involved in the church. They sent me to a private Christian school from sixth grade to halfway through my junior year when I begged to finally go back to public school. I was one of two people in my graduating class (laughs) in the private school. So I totally begged to go back to public school. Um, From that point forward, you know, while I was in the private school, Especially, it was, don't tell people you're Native American. Native Americans are dirty. They're Just don't. I was 17, about three or four weeks away from graduation, and there was a situation in our house. Things did not go well, and I ran away. I stayed in the area long enough to take my finals, walk the stage, get my diploma, and then I, I took a bus to Oklahoma, Miami Oklahoma where my mother was and that's where I started getting introduced to a little bit of the heritage.
1: Okay so
0: there's oh, a lot for an overview. There's,
1: <laughs> there's a yeah so there's so much here. Unpack that suitcase. <laughs> I know well let me ask let me start here. There's this rhetoric that the Native Americans are dirty that you're saying don't don't uh, so so is your dad white?
0: My dad is white. I think his heritage, my grandmother's maiden name was Zimmer. So he's German and English, I believe.
1: Okay. And are your siblings, the other three siblings, it sounds like you're all same mom and dad.
0: Yeah, for the most part. My oldest brother, my father adopted, but he's from the same mother. So he's native as well.
1: Okay. So uh, elephant in the room, which we've kind of already addressed, but a lot of times people don't want to talk about this stuff, is the white passing, right? So yes. do your do your siblings all have similar characteristics in that they are very white passing or do they have some of mom's characteristics?
0: Everybody is white passing. My sister has beautiful red hair and green eyes. Um, my older brother, Kelly, has blue eyes, blonde hair. Joe has brown hair. And I think think hazel eyes. Okay. We're all very, very much white passing. Wow.
1: Well, first of all, I just want to, and I don't want to necessarily go down a super negative path, but I just want to express some compassion for the fact that you find this piece of yourself out, right? You find this truth about yourself and then you're told that 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 truth that is in fact a part of you is wrong and is dirty. Like what the hell does that do to it? To a teenage girl.
0: That's wild to me. It was hard. Well, and and I'm going to fast forward just a a hair. You know, I have recently found out, you know, we're the Huron-Wyndat tribe. The word Huron was given to our tribe by the French. And the rough translation of it is trash. So, and then growing up being told, you know, Native Americans are trash. We don't want you to be associated with that.
1: Yeah. It's very unfortunate and not at all outside of the alignment of, of all the other stories that I've heard. So so kind of skipping to that or not skipping to that, but actually let's stay on the, the white passing for a minute. How do you feel like if you could articulate what you think that has done for you in terms of an impact, like you're, you're white passing, you're not native enough, you're told from family, from people that are supposed to be your family, stepmom and dad, that, you know, part of you is dirty. Like, how do you feel like that impacted you?
0: It definitely affected my self-esteem, myself, just the way that I looked at who I was. And it, unfortunately, it wasn't just the Native American aspect. It was, growing up, there was quite a bit of abuse in our household, so... It was from all aspects, but growing up in that, in an area or in in a household where I was told that, you know, I wasn't Native American enough or not to tell people and then going to an area that was predominantly Native American, it was, that was difficult.
1: Yeah. And is (laughs) it just, this is not funny. I'm not laughing because it's funny, but just the hypocrisy involved in abusive situations and then saying that something else is dirty and wrong but yeah. but what you're doing is okay okay yeah Got right
0: it. and ironically my stepmother's father who was an amazing man was Native American yes he was a a wonderful wonderful human being and he was Native American in fact my <laughs> my stepmother looked more Native American than I did. <laughs>
1: Really? So there is a yes. deep, deep-seated issues within all of that.
0: Yes. And that's that's another type of genocide, uh, cultural genocide, too, because that yeah. came from somewhere. That came from her parents.
1: Yeah. It, like a, a, almost a need. I've had this conversation recently, such a strong need to assimilate yes. that you it's erasure. It's its you have to erase it because of whatever in order to fit in or,
0: you know. That's I, exactly I guess it. That is exactly it. And now,
1: are you currently enrolled? Like, an, are you an enrolled member of the nation?
0: I am. I have, I'm on the roll for the Wyandotte Nation. Um, all four of my children and my grandchildren are on the roll, And I will attribute that to my grandmother on my mother's side. She kept amazing records. And she was just, she was a wonderful, wonderful woman.
1: I love that. So once you moved back to Oklahoma, you, you, you kind of reconnected with mom were you in touch with her the whole time or not really
0: not really um and i think that that was my father's doing as well as my mother's doing i think she was uncomfortable trying to reach out because she didn't have the finances to support us so she felt inadequate to even reach out yeah there's
1: well and, and we won't necessarily go down that because I know that a lot of it would be speculation on our part, but there's a lot of trauma that comes from all kinds of background things and all kinds of history that we'd like to, uh, society, I should say, would like to just say, oh, mom was an unfit mom. Okay, but what caused that?
0: Because- She went through some serious trauma with my father. I think there were, there were at least two times- where she landed in the emergency room and coded because of what my father had done to her.
1: Oh, good God. Coded. Okay.
0: Yes. He was not kind to her at all. Okay. Oh, remember I'm, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest of four. So my other three siblings saw all that. Yeah.
1: So, and when you got back to Oklahoma, do you feel like you were able to bond with mom? Not.
0: It almost feels like it was surface level. As of today, we don't have a relationship. But it, it felt very surface level, uh, more like two friends that ended up living together for a while and okay. getting to know each other. And I hate to say this, <laughs> you please don't judge me. Um, I ended up realizing that I didn't really care that much for that friend.
1: Yeah, I don't think you need to. Yeah, I don't think anybody needs to judge you for that. I, there's. You have to do what, and you have a whole family that you're responsible for. So there is a point to which we have to decide not to carry on generational trauma. Um, And not everyone decides to do that. Not everyone decides that they either can or or will do that. But yeah, sometimes that's what it takes. Now I want to just touch on, so being an enrolled member, I don't know that everyone listening might necessarily know that. So, it's basically it means you're in a af- official member of this nation of mm-hmm. of and and you're I mean let, let me actually let you describe it so I don't word mince it.
0: We are a federally recognized tribe. We happen to be one of the smaller tribes in the US. We only have 7,011 members as of the last check that I knew of, I, that was about a month ago. So being a federally recognized tribe gives us our own sovereignty. So I actually have dual citizenship within the United States and our nation. So to me, that's that's pride. I'm so proud of yeah. that. But it's taken a lot of, a lot of time to get to this point where I'm really proud of it.
1: What does it take to become a member? Because I know that, well we're not going to go all the way back in history, but initially it was a matter of the U S government saying you have to do this because otherwise we're not going to recognize you. And it was a source of control and again, erasure, but now each, each nation kind of has a little bit more control over their own requirements.
0: Can you tell us about that? They do. And if I'm correct, I believe ours goes more on, uh, birth and death records. So we've got historians within our tribe that, they, that's literally what they do they check birth and death records and they trace our genealogy um, some tribes I know go on blood quantum and for some reason it seems to be a hot topic uh, or a hot hot button when you bring up the word the words blood quantum to me it's a scientific fact either you know my blood quantum is five 128 which is somewhere close to a 16th um, there are others that, I don't understand this personally, and this may be my white-facing side of me, that take that as offensive. To me, it's it's just a scientific fact. So it's a number.
1: Yeah, I think so. And this is just totally from my understanding um, and the way I see the blood quantum. So first of all, one of the things that I don't like about it is that it is not the Native American. Groups. It is not the indigenous people that 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 originated from. It originated right. from the U.S. government again, it as a source of control and as a way to essentially, over time, eliminate a Wait group them of out. people. Weed them out. Yeah, and and from and that I,
0: aspect, I do understand. Um, but it's not our blood quantum that makes us who we are.
1: No. It's not, and I have. I did hear a story, and this is this is the piece that I feel is um, really challenging. Is I heard a story from a couple. It was two uh, two females that were in a relationship, and I- I'm not sure if they were married or not. Regardless, they were looking at <clears throat> a surrogate uh, because they wanted to grow their family, and they had this conundrum because they're like, we need to make sure. That are surrogate because they they were already not I guess if we're saying like full blood Native Americans you know what I mean they already had um, a lower percentage so they if they went with someone that was white as a surrogate then their child might not be recognized within their community and I I right. just find it so unfortunate because that's just not how we
0: build human families. It's not, and honestly, our tribe throughout history, through wars and through feuds with other tribes, when they would take prisoners, they would assimilate those prisoners into our tribe, and it happened with settlers, it happened with the French, people who we would have taken as prisoners of war, they then became part of our tribe.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I think of it, and it's like, tell somebody who grew up somewhere and is fully immersed and that's their identity and tell them, Oh, by the way, you don't belong here anymore. What? Mm -hmm. Who says? Yeah. (laughs) It's just, yeah. So tell me about kind of the the coming into, so you, you mentioned you saw it it kind of was a little bit triggered by your grandma, but then also it sounds like you saw a video um, that, that sparked even more interest.
0: I did. Actually, Chief Billy Friend, he's the chief of our tribe. Back in July of 20, 2022, I started just doing a little bit of research. I had some time on my hands. And he had posted, or somebody had posted this video of him giving a speech to the Pachyderm Club in Wichita, Kansas. And during this speech, I hear the chief of my tribe, this important guy, talking about i didn't even know the term at that point cultural genocide and he's talking about his grandparents were put into boarding schools and they were they had their hair cut they were forced to wear uniforms they were disciplined if they were if they spoke their language and they were taken from their homes to be placed in these boarding schools Uh, they're also known as residential schools and uh his grandparents went through that so while raising his parents, of course they, they didn't want they didn't know their culture as well because they were pulled out of it. They didn't teach it to their children, so their children couldn't pass it on to our chief. And so he has the same feeling I do. Where in and let me tell you, a chief friend has reddish blonde hair, blue eyes, he's very white facing. And I'm sitting here watching this video and he's talking about, you know, what he's, how he grew up and and what he learned or didn't learn growing up. And then I think he got out of college and he went to work at the tribe. And he he made a joke throughout the video about how, you know, when he was in kindergarten, you know, he wasn't the one that stood up and said he wanted to become an Indian chief when he grew up. Right. (laughs) But uh, just hearing him actually talk about, what is, like I said, now I know the term is cultural genocide, but not knowing your identity. I mean, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I was just, oh, my God, there's a term for it. Are you serious? There's other people out here that feel the same way I do. The chief of my tribe felt this way. I'm not alone. And That was the biggest one, I think, was I'm not alone. Because after I moved to Oklahoma, my family didn't. To them, it was just a thing it wasn't, they weren't fully involved in our annual gatherings. They weren't fully involved in the nation whatsoever. They, they were part, I guess, kind of a name, but they weren't involved in the culture.
1: Telling, and this is why I love having these conversations, because sharing your story, you don't know who it's going to touch. I mean, at the time, you know, you didn't exist to him, right? Like he didn't know you were watching his video from wherever you were. Not a clue. Yeah. And, and just being able to touch on something that is essentially intangible to nearly everybody is so validating and so valuable. So you started to learn the language too. Are you still, are you still working on learning?
0: I'm working on learning. It's As a 47-year-old woman, it's definitely more difficult to learn a new language now. And our language is a sleeping language. It's not a dead language, but it's, it's very difficult because we don't have a full dictionary. So we don't have a great list of words to pick and pull from. I can say hello and goodbye, and I think thank you. <laughs> so quay. Kwe is hello. Tijama is goodbye. But learning the other phrases and the other words, is it's extremely difficult. And unfortunately, we don't have a great way of teaching it.
1: Re- really, as an adult, as we get older, unfortunately, language does become a lot more challenging anyways. But especially if you're saying, is this language shared with any other uh, tribes or nations?
0: No, it seems like most tribes have their own individual language okay. and it's not a, whereas we here in the United States, we can learn French, German, English, Arabic, uh, Korean. We can learn other languages freely. Indigenous tribes don't seem to be real fond of sharing that knowledge of the language with others. It's something they, they, they seem to keep within their tribe.
1: Yeah, and, bef- and before we hit record, you and I were talking a little bit about um, some of the reservations that tribal members and Native Americans, uh, Indigenous, you know, whatever term they choose to use or, or they want to use. There's some there's some challenges with sharing, which I, I can appreciate and I can respect, especially because of what you're saying, what your what your stepmom and what your dad said. That's not an isolated incident,
0: absolutely, and not. it's
1: not not happening anymore. It's still happening. So trying to hold on to your own identity, your own sovereignty, having love and faith and respect for yourself and your culture, while there is a rush of outside influence that's telling you that you are not right, you're not okay, you're not valuable, you're not worthy, all these things. I can understand wanting to kind of hold it close to the chest. I do. I also still go back to. I think stories are really important, and I think that if we, if the outside world had a little bit more knowledge and understanding, then there might be more space. I, I want to believe that there's more space for appreciation than is what's given right now.
0: And I agree. I agree. I think uh, another aspect of the hesitation is they don't want it to be marginalized. They don't want it to be used as a fad. This is the next appropriation. Yeah. Right.
1: Yep. And I can understand that too. And I think, um, we see that a lot, unfortunately we really do. So it's, it's all valid. Um, and I, and I wish there was a better solution and I don't know what it is and it's not for me to decide what the solution is anyways, but tell us a little bit about what you've learned. What are, what are some of the things that You've learned maybe um, aha moments that when you connected with it, you're like, oh, that's why I am the way I am. Or if there's anything that you specifically connected with that just felt supernatural.
0: You know, it's really, really neat that you're asking me about that right now because we just had, um, and you can find these videos on YouTube, it's called Reading the Wampum. A gentleman named Lloyd Devine does these Reading the Wampum sessions once a month for the Wyandotte Tribe. And he goes through and tells the history of who is who and what is what throughout the ages, and it's amazing. It is amazing. So this last week, he started talking about uh, the woman and the twins. Nobody knows who the what the woman's name is. The twins, I don't want to butcher their names, so I'm not even going to try today, But because I literally just heard them for the first time Tuesday night. But the... The takeaway from that were the different traits that these people had throughout history that are our ancestors. And the biggest thing that I see is when we are friends, we are best friends and we'll bend over backwards, we'll do anything for you. When we are foes, there is no end to where we will stop for vengeance. And I've looked at looked back at my life and said, "Oh my god, that's me." <laughs> Holy crap, I've done that my whole life. I mean, you piss me off and I said, "Sister, we're done." And I'm of the mind that I'll pretty much at this point in time in my life, I will write you off and you don't exist anymore. Young younger me, there was actually a time my cousin uh Billy Joe and I some girls jumped her sister and we went and found them one by one and we took our vengeance i hope i'm not committing to a crime here but it was like 30 years ago <laughs> but you know it that those are character traits that that i've realized that i have that is it nature or nurture i kind of look at it as i think this is nature this is who the people in my family have been for thousands of years, we're very giving. We will give and give and give until that line is crossed and then it's done. Then it's over. I hope that's an answer to your question.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it's fascinating. I've read some books and explored the nature versus nurture concept. Um, and one thing that comes up often in that conversation is uh, us – Something called the twin study, which was a long-term study um, about twins that were separated at birth and how many attributes and traits they had that were nearly identical. But these two humans yes. had never come into contact, you know, outside of outside of the womb and birth, right? Yes. And yes. and certainly, certainly our circumstances and our environment can affect us right and 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 right. that can cause some some behaviors and some some adaptations but it is so cool that you have the ability to go back now and you have this connection and are able to identify that i feel like Absolutely. that's so cool
0: you know in something else that i look back in the history of my life and i compare it to you know our our history my tribal history i grew up in central new york our tribe originated around ontario canada which where i grew up is right around the lake and now our tribe like i said is in oklahoma we were also uh we moved out of ohio or out of canada down into michigan and ohio due to warring tribes we settled around upper sandusky ohio and there, there was a United Methodist mission that we became a part of. I was raised in the Methodist Church. the The correlations just go on and on and on um, throughout our life. You know, my husband and I a few years ago we lived in Southern Indiana, and we were driving around just checking out the the area because it's a beautiful area. And we drove past; I saw the signs. Wyandotte Road. And I'm like, hey, I know that name. (laughs) So we drive down this road, and there are the Wyandotte Bat Caves. Our tribe was there. Our tribe was there in that area. Those caves are named for my ancestors. Uh, There's just so much that I look at my life, and, and maybe it's just silly in my head, but I see the correlation of our history And the way that my life has gone, just even in places I've lived. And it's it's really interesting. So at least I think it's interesting.
1: (laughs) I think it's beautiful. And I think it's so humbling and amazing to be rooted and see those roots, right? Because we don't always have the opportunity to.
0: No, no. I love that. And like I said, I'm 47. I'm just now really starting to learn. You know, I'm, I'm taking beaded embroidery classes which typically leave my fingers bloody I'm not so good at beaded embroidery <laughs> okay <laughs> but I sure try <laughs> but I'm trying to do everything I can even though I live in South Georgia to be involved in the things that are happening within our nation
1: I and um, you and you mentioned your children are enrolled as well so I think that's super important and it absolutely. sounds like it's something that you are trying to involve them in or at least give them a section of that history as well. How are you going about that?
0: You know, it's funny because I was originally introduced to Lloyd Devine's Reading the Wampum by my 27-year-old son. Oh. He's the one that told me about it and he said, Mom, you need to listen to this. This is really, really neat. It's the history of our tribe. And I was like, what? Somebody's actually putting this information out here for for us to learn. And he was the one that really started this whole thing. So thank you, Levi.
1: (laughs) Yay. Cheers to Levi. So if you could, and, and it, you know, if it's close to the chest, you can also keep it there, but is there anything that you think that you would like people to know someone that's not of native American descent, uh, about the Wyandotte nation? I think I would like people to
0: know that we, even our ancestors, Aren't your traditional-looking Native Americans? Our ancestors were very fair-skinned. You know, a lot of our ancestors had blue eyes. We originated in the northern part of the North American continent, so we didn't have the melanin like a lot of the southern Native American com- uh, tribes did. And at least, and I'm going to say this is coming straight from my brain and what I believe. I haven't haven't gotten that. Guaranteed as fact, but it's one of those things that not all Native Americans look like the Indian warrior for the uh, Seminoles. You know, the, the Seminole, the, the I don't know, it's a college in Florida. It's not that far away. I shouldn't actually know this, but they're going, known as the Seminoles, right? That warrior on their emblem, not all of us look like that. In fact, most of us don't. And I know that within my tribe, people are definitely hesitant to allow others in to learn because they're afraid of having that heritage taken away and stolen.
1: And especially if the uh, physical care, because we go so much on physical characteristics, don't we? And it's a shame, but it's also, it's just the, it's the nature of things, right?
0: Well, it's funny because my husband is half Korean. And if we go anywhere and we, you know, we say that the name of our business is My Tribe Print Promo, they look at my husband says, "Oh, you're Native American." No, he's Korean. <laughs> the, I I would be the Native American. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh! It really so. is. This is that a- <laughs> we we need a, a bit more of an expanded mind. But but to your point, I can understand too the why not nation even holding it closer because if you have a lot of members or a lot of people that within the tribe that don't exhibit the characteristics that are expected, then it's even easier to co-opt. It's even easier yes. to, assi- um. what am I trying to say? Oh, I'm lost on the word. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Appropriate. Appropriate. Yes. It's very, it's much easier. And you know, there's, there's really gray, gray lines on.
0: When it's appropriate, when it's not.
1: Well, there's that, but then, you know, you go to the blood quantum and you go to the, oh, well, you're not enough this or you're not enough that. Well, I, I don't know. It's not my argument to be had because it's not my, it, I'm not native. And I, I think that I want to facilitate more conversations, but it's also not my decision to have, you know, I don't have a fight here. I just want people to be more freaking
0: loving. Yes. And accepting. And I'll be honest, you know, being white and native sometimes i find myself which side is right which side is i don't even really know how to verbalize it but you know there's there's certain things that you know many white people believe in that native americans don't necessarily believe and i look at it and i'm like well i'm both so where do i fit and that's 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 always an interesting conversation with myself <laughs> Well, it it, it's important to realize, too,
1: the intersectionality. Like, we, as a world, as a society, often want to see things as this or that or black and white. Both of those things can exist in harmony at the same time. But we have this pressure to be something or something else. You could be both. You are both. I don't, I, I don't know. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So the final three questions. And the first one, um, I always ask the guests for an action item. So for anyone listening today, what is one thing, something small that they can do today to learn more about their local Indigenous history and communities? So wherever they are listening from, What's something that you think they can do to kind of connect with the the roots of the land?
0: Well, what I did, I honestly started with Google. I okay. started Googling um, as an as a citizen. And, and I always slip up and say member of my tribe. I'm not a member. I'm a citizen because it is a sovereign nation. Okay. But as a member, a citizen. See? No, <laughs> I think
1: that's actually important because <laughs> I think I might have said member too. And I like oh. that if there's a distinction, I think it's important that
0: we know about it. One of my favorite people, her name is Kim Garcia. She works at our tribal headquarters in our cultural center. She catches me on it all the time. She's like, you're not a member. You are a citizen. This is not a country club. (laughs) But uh, as far as an action item, just start doing some research. You know, growing up in central New York, the one thing that I knew as far as the area where I grew up was that's where Harriet Tubman was. Harriet Tubman ran the Underground Railroad through my hometown, so I learned that from other locals growing up. And now I can Google it because you know, back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have Google. I can <laughs> think that's hilarious, by the way. Um, but there are so many ways to get involved, and just ask, just ask. But when you ask, have genuine, true intention. Don't ask because you want something out of it other than to be a support. Don't ask because you think the jewelry is cool and you just want some of that cool jewelry to wear. Typically, our Native jewelry actually has meaning. So how is that for an, for a, uh, an action? <laughs>
1: I, I love it, and I do, and I actually, I specifically love it because it is very easy, and, and, the, and the goal, again, is action item, but we, I want it, I always want it to be something that's, people have a bazillion things going on, and I think it's really important that people take these actions, because in my opinion, conversations can move the needle, so okay. I love it, Google, Google. Google. Google's <laughs> so, where you start. <laughs> in your current phase of life, what are five words that you would use to describe or identify
0: yourself? Strong, headstrong, which is also something that's one of our native traits. Determined, happy, and excited. How's that?
1: Powerful. Those are power power words. I'm thinking power <laughs> pose right now. love it. Uh, okay, and then where can we go to stay in touch with you? So, anybody listening that wants to learn more about you, about your business, where can they go to connect and, and stay in touch?
0: Well, our website is mytribeprint. Uh, I'm sorry, mytribepnp, like PaulNancyPaul.com. Uh, we are also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. There is an awful lot out there. Uh, my okay. email address is trisha at mytribeprint and promo. Sorry, it's Trisha at MyTribePNP.com. We're pretty pretty well available to pretty much everybody.
1: <laughs> okay, excellent. And I'll make sure those go in the show notes um, so that people can just click on them if they want to connect. Thank you. Thank you again for sharing this story. I really, really appreciate it. It's been insightful. Thanks for
0: being curious and exploring your roots. It's been a journey for sure. And it's it's far from over. I'm just starting. I am just starting.
1: Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode with Trisha Williams. I hope this helped you see a new perspective uh, because I believe through conversations just like this, we can all set fire to our ignorance and rise from the ashes together as better humans. Don't forget the thoughts and opinions that we express today. They're ours. Check the show notes on how to connect with Trisha. Also, connect with Diversity on Fire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love a follow. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so that you never miss an episode with us please share the show and conversation with others and as always until next time don't forget to check your bias and keep the conversations going